Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or even a problematic fave, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is a teacher, a leader, a mentor, and a role model. It's Aaron Lieberman. Hi, Aaron. Wow, that is the nicest intro I've ever had. I don't know if that's deserved, but thank you, Drew. It's deserved. It's a it's a grand intro. I mean, look at me. I am doing the one thing I have I have told myself I would never do, and I am recording this podcast in bed. I love that. Well, is this your swan song pod app in Los Angeles? This actually is my swan song pod app. As many listeners know, I am moving to Chicago next week for grad school, so I currently have nowhere else to even put my computer and my mic and whatever else I need to do this stupid thing except in my lap in bed so I'm just like I'm I'm truly like you know how sea otters hold clams on their tummies and like float around yes I'm doing that with my microphone basically that kind of reminds me the podcast listeners can't see but I'm currently wearing a shirt uh that's sushi with a piece of salmon hugging the piece of rice Ooh, it's so, so cute I feel the, like the podcasts have been showing up with like fashions recently because like this um most recent aired episode I guess at the time of recording this Ryan Aguirre was wearing like this fabulous like Moschino-y like inspired Ursula shirt like Disney Ursula shirt it was cool which makes sense given his love affair with Disney and it is a love affair like I think he's the only Disney gay I know that is not so fucking annoying about it like my freshman roommate in college was a Disney gay that was deeply closeted and I think mm -hmm. is still closeted but like while on my side of the dorm I had a bunch of pictures of all my friends and family and stupid motivational quotes his side the big cork board was one big giant map of Disneyland and he had an annual pass. He was from Palo Alto, but he went to Disneyland, I think twice a month. Wow. Our entire freshman year. That's truly like, I mean, that's so much money too. Like I have not been to the LA early, the SoCal Disneyland before, but I know that it is like, what, $80 to get in? At no, least. it's like it's yeah, it's like a hundred. Wait, you've never yeah. been? We should stop this pod episode and go right now. <laughs> yep. What are you? Right what are you back. doing the rest of the day? <laughs> what are you doing um, the rest of the day? Let's go. Literally throwing myself into the LA River. That's what I'm doing the rest of the day instead of going to the UPS store. I mean, if you could float down the river, you'd get to Long Beach, which would get you halfway to Anaheim. And I'd save on gas. I'll pick you up there. Okay, we'll perfect. We'll do All that. Right. Yeah, I am a big Disney fan. I do have some bones to pick with Ryan's opinions of hacks. But that's probably a conversation for another podcast. I don't, <laughs> yes, I don't, we're gonna I don't, we're gonna have to organize a summit for everyone. I hacks got better at the end. I don't think hacks deserves two full episodes of Crisis Twink. Well, we don't know. I mean, if this becomes a, a dynamic interpersonal conflict within our friend group, then we might have to uh, we might have to have a, like a red table talk for this. I think it already has. I usually keep my opinions to myself, <laughs> but. 
Well, not today. To be, I'm going to ask you for our first segment not to keep your opinions to yourself because we're about to play Go Call the Governor. Ah, so excited. So just also, let's just say this up top. Free Britney, like Go Call the Governor is obviously a segment inspired by her iconic British accented line delivery of Go Call the Governor in 2013's hit single Work Bitch. And she truly is like the backbone of the queer community from a cultural sense. And I think what happened this week with her court deposition is just unbelievable. Like so awful. I know. I listened to most of it. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. I thought it was a little funny that gay Twitter that evening when there was the smallest of earthquakes went off. (laughs) Gay Twitter goes, this is the world saying free Britney. Gay Twitter having no sense of perspective. Like what? What a shock. What a shock. What a shock. What a shock. But well, I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? So are you ready to play? I'm born ready. All right. Hollywood stars moving to Austin, Texas. Does the governor need to be called? So to give some context of this, Austin, Texas is probably my favorite city in the U.S. Wow. And if I wasn't in L.A., that would be the next city I moved to. Uh, And fun fact, I actually got married in 2018 in Austin, Texas. So I have an affinity for Austin because it has everything that I would want in a city. You've got a downtown that's right on a river. I think they call it a lake, but it's a river. Mm -hmm. You've got your business district, awesome bars, tons of great restaurants, all the hotels, all the entertainment is all packed in one place. Yeah. So you don't have to get in a car anywhere. It's probably a little more expensive to live, but no state taxes. That's my, so I also love Austin. Like it's my favorite city in Texas as someone who has been to Texas many, 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 many times for family stuff. Yeah. It is so tech bro right now. But I'm kind of into that. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. No, I, I, that I think that's fair scene. too. Like, I can hang with those guys. If it gets more entertainment oriented, which it seems like it's doing. Like the reason I asked this question is because the, the New York Times did a big profile piece this week on Haley Duff, some girl from Glee, not Hillary Duff, Haley Duff, some girl from Glee and um, Meadow Soprano from The Sopranos all made like a pregnancy pact basically to move to Austin to get away from like the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. And a lot of actors have been doing that recently too. To be fair, I think that Austin now has a hustle and bustle. Yeah, You know, you've got South by Southwest, you've got Austin city limits. So many people are moving there. Most of the big Silicon Valley tech companies, LA companies have offices in Austin. So I think, to be concise, the governor does not need to be called. Wow. I'm a stan of Austin. Get, get everyone out of LA, move to Austin. Maybe I'll follow. But how are you going to keep Austin weird? I don't know if Austin's that weird anymore. You've said yeah. it's become kind of corporate tech bro. I, I, think, I think that is true. Like the last time I was there was in 2017 for South by Southwest, which is essentially a trade show 
for right. the industry. Like it's not, it's not like ACL or other music festivals or film festivals where you can just like buy a ticket and attend. Like I was there as a working member of the press and I had access to basically everything, but people with like general admission passes don't get anything really like you can't get in anywhere well because there's multiple pieces to it there's the film there's the music there's the tech i mean to give the listeners context i am in tech sales so does that make me a tech bro i don't think i have the bro personality or like adjacent yeah maybe not bro-y but like tech adjacent i'm not the right person to say hey is austin too tech bro which is I guess I'm not either. I'm stupid. So I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't say anything. Oh, I didn't say I'm smart. So, well, let's move on to the next scenario. Two in one shampoo conditioner. Does the governor need to be called? I'm all about efficiency. I'm worried what but, you're about to say. I'm typically someone who, do you shampoo every day? Yeah, I, I do because I run every day. So if I didn't, it my hair would it would look like a troll doll like, from all the sweat. So. so my hair gets a little greasy when I don't. So I shampoo every day. Yeah. I know most people don't. They're supposed, you're supposed to shampoo like every two or three days. So if you're one of those people, then there shouldn't be two in one because you need to have your shampoo separate from your conditioner. Right. I do it every day. I see the efficiency of it but I'm someone who's really into scents. And so mm-hmm. I like having different scents for my shampoo and conditioner. Right. So I think the governor does need to be called on this. I think, I don't think you should combine it. I, I 100% agree on this. Shockingly enough, as like one of the fussiest people, you know, I do, I do think that every single item of shower care from shampoo to body wash to like face scrub, needs to be its own separate thing like two in one i think is bad enough three in one is like why mind-blowing so on that palm springs trip that we all went on there was Mm -hmm. some three in one shampoo conditioner body wash i don't know how that's possible i don't know what procter and gamble is doing (laughs) to combine all of that but i don't think it worked on any part of no and and not not only was it three in one, the one in my room was Mike and Ike brand. Like it, it was sugar candy brand. The one in my room was also Mike and Ike brand. Ugh. Did you use it? Like I bought my own shampoo for the trip, which once again, fussy, fussy, fussy. But like, it's funny that you say you're, you think you're one of the fussiest people that I know. If I told you that you're not nearly one of the most fussy but, people I know. When it comes to grooming and like skincare, I'm very meticulous about it, I would say. Okay, so are you someone in your bathroom routine or in your shower where you do the exact same steps in the same order every time? Yeah, but I think you kind of have to do that, right? Like, I shampoo first, then I conditioner. I leave in the conditioner for five to six minutes, and then that's when I do my, like, face scrub and body wash. I'm pretty similar. So I had my first boyfriend told me once, he said, always do it in the same order and then go head to toe. So mm-hmm. that, because again, I'm in the sense. So like the, you don't want the body wash to be rubbed off by the shampoo going after. Right. So do your shampoo first, then your conditioner, then your body wash. That's smart. I should, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as big in a sense in like my shower routine. Like that's 
I lotion myself up. This is the lotion podcast. Um, I I try some I brands like, out there. Try to get some sponsorships. <laughs> I yeah, like Lalabo. If you would love to uh, send me some free bottles of Neroli, I would not say no. <laughs> but that's where I, I use my scent in my like my last step of the day, basically, is to lotion, yeah. and that's it. Because I don't really okay. use perfume or cologne. So really, I've worn cologne every day for the last probably fifteen to twenty years. And that, even if I'm just sitting at home in quarantine by myself. I put cologne on. That's the mark of a gentleman. I mean, like, you're keeping yourself tethered to, like, a real daily life by doing that, even in quarantine. Like, dress to impress. Like, I tried doing that in early pandemic. Like, at least putting on jeans to work from home. And that quickly, like, I was basically working in, like, I mean, skimpy, like, circuit party wear by the end of all this, like, racerback tanks and, like, my shortest workout shorts. Oh, so I'm, you know, business on top, party on the bottom right. on my Zoom. So as a sales guy, you know, at least from the chest up, I've got to be presentable on Zoom. So I put on my, you know, collared shirt, I've got my cologne on, and then I'm also wearing either sweatpants or, like, four-inch chubbies. yeah. Zoom couture, on the bottom. It's couture. <laughs> exactly. I'm right. scared to go back into the working world, but yes, no. Long it's story a, it's short, it's going to be an adjustment to wear actual pants again for sure. I know most of mine probably don't fit anymore. All right, I think let's move on to the last prompt here. The national anthem. Does the governor need to be called? So interestingly, I think this will kind of lead into maybe our emergency of the day mm-hmm. i am weirdly an aficionado of certain types of national anthems so i'm a huge sports fan mm-hmm. and i think there is no more iconic moment in sports than the super bowl national anthem if you think about it everyone's watching it's the most highly rated show in america every year mm-hmm. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows every word and everyone knows the melody. Well, except for Christina Aguilera. Yes, except for Christina. Big, big caveat. So everyone's watching. Everyone's hyped up. No one's too drunk yet from the Super Bowl party. And it's it's pretty much the scariest two moments in sports. And mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by it every year. I like That's why the Super Bowl is my favorite day of the year. It should actually be a national holiday. We should all get the Monday after off because there are just so many things for everyone in that mm-hmm. three to four hours. But the national, the Super Bowl national anthem is my favorite. My hot take on this is everyone thinks that Whitney Houston's 1991 Super Bowl national anthem is the best rendition of all time. I disagree. Oh, <laughs> I don't even what? think it's the second best of all time. I'm like dry heaving over here. What, what, what is your top two? Fair enough. So I'd put Whitney at number three. Okay. My favorite Super Bowl national anthem of all time is my girl Beyonce, 2004. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do everyone, remember that. Everyone can go look it up on YouTube. The last 10 seconds of that are magical. I get chills every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say also, I'm such a huge Beyonce stan. I've watched her Coachella performance, the homecoming documentary in full at least four times. Right. So I'm a little biased there to her voice, but she's no, fantastic. No, that's a good, was that the same year? Um, That was like the Panthers-Patriots one with the Super Bowl halftime 
snafu too right that was the 2004 yeah patriots panthers very eventful year <laughs> and then interestingly i was actually there at the super bowl live in minneapolis in 2018 for jt's redemption halftime okay. show which was very underwhelming with, with the prince tribute yes yeah i hated that yeah it was actually worse in person I've now been to two Super Bowls. The halftime shows are really made for the TV audience. I saw yeah. that one. And then the next year I was at Atlanta with Maroon 5 and Travis Scott and Big Boy. Both mediocre performances. Yeah. That, anyway, was, a, getting... that was a hard one to watch, like from from the home viewing audiences. Though we did get all those memes about um Adam Levine looking like a Chipotle bag. <laughs> like <his dad laughs> yeah. looking like a Chipotle bag. Is your number two the the Fergie national anthem from the NBA All-Star Oh, game? God. I could give you my dishonorable mentions. No, my number two is Jennifer Hudson, 2009. Okay. Which I think was Steelers Cardinals. Yeah, that was with the, that was the Santonio Holmes yep. catch. Yeah, exactly. So that was my second best of all time. And then Whitney, because of, there's actually a huge article written about that Whitney Houston national anthem and how her tweaks to the melody at the end have changed how performers do that forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put her at number three. Uh, Jordan Sparks from my hometown of AZ when she did the 2008 one, that was not bad. Sure, she's not bad. I mean, like, I, I, I will always respect a woman who is the, official celebrity spokeswoman for the pokemon brand but like <laughs> i don't that's about as far as i can go with i might that. i might be your one friend that's not into pokemon so right. well to, that for another but to, like, to mention whitney and jordan sparks <laughs> the same conversation the same oh breath. i just did I mean, it's it's i did it it's hard to hear <laughs> it's like you might you might hear me have an aneurysm on air good do it I, and i I, I do want to circle back to Fergie, though. Okay, so there are some bad ones. So Fergie. Yeah. I remember where I was for that. Like, that was, like, world-shaking. It's also tough. So when you're doing, when you're performing the National Anthem in a Super Bowl-type setting, it's a huge, you know, usually open-air stadium. You've got 70,000 fans. In a basketball arena, you've got somewhere from seventeen to 20,000 people. It's mm -hmm. very intimate you're definitely indoors it, everyone can hear every little crack in that and when there are a lot of cracks there are a lot they're of pretty apparent I, I i think her cardinal sin her arizona cardinal sin was doing it jazzily nice. why would you just do it normal like no one wants to hear the national anthem remixed in a weird way like just keep it simple yeah so and that actually leads me into probably one of the worst of all time which was 2011 christina aguilera yes at the super bowl i feel bad for her so obviously she mixed up the lyrics which can be done and then she had trouble hitting the high notes that's the one rule there is one rule of the national anthem pick a key that you can hit yeah the high note and that's you know it. you wouldn't think that would be hard to do for someone as gifted as a vocalist as Christina Aguilera is. Like one of the most. And I so in early in the pandemic, 
I was unemployed for about like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I sat on my, can I cuss on this? I'll just say, but yeah, I sat on my cuss, butt, cuss. I sat on my ass for a couple of weeks, just watching TV, lounging around. And then I decided to get a subscription to masterclass. Mm-hmm. So I just watched a bunch of master classes and I watched hers because I'm such a fan of vocalists. Like I love Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Christina. And so I was excited to learn, okay, maybe she can give me some tips on how to sing because uh-huh. I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible singer. And it was bad. Yeah. She, but she she addressed that Super Bowl. There literally is a segment of her master class talking about how she fucked up the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad for her because you've got 170 million people watching and you get the words wrong and you can't hit the notes, but she's just so talented. You can move on from it. 2011 so, was a very hard year for her in general. Like, I mean, the, I wrote an entire culture pig about the following tweet about Christina Aguilera's 2011 this is from at very thick vag with four J's. <laughs> it is a link to the song Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5 featuring Christina Aguilera. And the I tweet goes, song. yeah, I actually do too. Um, the tweet reads, Christina was at her lowest. <laughs> Fat, nasty, <laughs> and broke. Career in shambles. She came on this bitch mad as hell. And that's it. I mean, it's I love that's it. 2011 Christina, fat, that is, nasty, and broke. Came on this bitch, man, as hell. When did she come out with that new album with Candyman and uh, Oh, the, no, that man. was 2006. That was 15 yeah. years ago. So that was so that was earlier than that. I way love that. earlier. Yeah. Oh no, that album's great. Like that was right in the middle of my like MTV. Yeah, the music phase. videos for Ain't No Other Man and Candyman are both really solid. Like, Christina's main flaw is that every album of hers is so different that it's hard to get a pin on who she is beyond just this, like, powerhouse vocalist. And Miley Cyrus has the same issue. Totally fair. And she actually kind of spoke to that in that masterclass. And one thing she said is, you know, early on in her career when it was all about the sex appeal, and she got so much hate for that, like compared to, we're talking about Britney, yeah. who was a little more pure compared to Christina. Christina was the bad girl. She was like, yeah, I, I let me be sexual. Like, let me own it. What's wrong with that? Let mm-hmm. me do my thing, back off, which I loved. I think uh, every, it was a very greasy form of sexuality, let's say. <laughs> like, that, that's fair. And at the yeah. time I probably judged it, my little, you know, closeted, but I did love her music. I mean, I was seven. I wasn't even allowed to listen to Dirty when it came out. Like, My parents were too busy. I got yeah. murder in things that I watched and listened to. I was a big Spice Girls fan. Closeted. Well, that's wholesome. That's girl power. And I'm sure that shaped you in a very formative, like, character-building way. Spice World is low-key the best, you know, music group documentary of all it's time. Fu- it's not a documentary let's just say well, that like, <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's literally at one that's point jerry howell makes contact with aliens but like <laughs> it i love that movie so much like um i think you could make a really good double bill of that and josie and the pussycats as like a one two that's fair it's two great movies though yeah you know also was another good one i know we're getting so off topic was katie that's perry's awesome. Oh yeah, um, I saw that in theaters. Part of me, yeah, I remember watching that like ten years ago and really enjoying it. I was a big yeah. Katie cat back in the day. Like I, I was too back. That was probably 
early college for me. She's a little hard to stand now. (laughs) That's fair, especially given your context of how intimately you know her. I don't know her. Well, actually, that's not true. I have worked with her, but her dogs have been on my couch. And that is a story for another Another episode. Before we get too sidetracked, I do have one more opinion on Super Bowl on just national, oh, yeah, national anthems in general. So 2000, I think it was 2013, right? Yeah, because that was when Obama was his second inauguration. Beyonce performed the national anthem there. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was giving her shit that, oh, it was pre-recorded and she doesn't have it anymore. Do you remember this? Not really. When was this? 2007? No, 2013. Oh. Okay. Obama's second inauguration. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she goes and does the national anthem, you know, at the Capitol, and then a bunch of press comes out about how how it was lip synced. It was pre recorded. I mean, yeah, it's the inauguration. Then three weeks later, she's supposed to perform in the Super Bowl halftime show. So that week, she's on her media press tour, and there, you know, someone asks her, they're you know, about to ask her questions about her halftime show. And so she walks into this Super Bowl press conference. And before they get to start asking her questions from the press pit, she asks everyone to stand up in the room. And off the cuff, she just belts one of the most beautiful renditions of the national anthem you'll ever hear for the press. And then basically kind of cocks her head to the side and goes like, you know, with like any questions. Um, how you like that? It was the baddest bitch move oh. I've ever seen. I watched that on YouTube so many times. She, who else could get away with something like that too? Like, I mean, she just like, she has the talent. She has the confidence. She has the range. She didn't say anything other than, will everyone please rise? No context. And just belted the entire national anthem. Oh God! I would I would have melted into a puddle. I think. Um, so the long story short is, with a national anthem, the governor does not need to be called. Hooray! <laughs> let's <laughs> let's hope not. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we are back with Aaron Lieberman. So let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. What are you rushing to the ER this week? Carl Nassib, NFL defensive end for the Las mm-hmm. Vegas Raiders is gay. Let's celebrate and out. that. Let's celebrate it. So did you know who he was before going into this? Because I, I loosely did. I will be honest. I don't really care about defensive NFL players as much as I care about like people who I actually have like a slot for on my fantasy team. But I knew a little bit about him and I knew his brother from being like a quarterback at Syracuse back in the day as a, like an ACC football fan. So the only thing that I knew about him was I watched the hard knocks season with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think this exact clip, one of our mutual friends sent in a text earlier this week, but I'd remembered the clip where Carl Nassib is teaching some other NFL players in the room about like compound interest and how if you put money away now, how if it grows, you know, 10% a year or whatever, your, your, your money doubles 7%, you know, gross 7% every 10 years, something like that. So he's teaching these other players on his team how to be more financially savvy because that's a big thing in the NFL right. is, you know, players 
can't keep track of their money and they don't, they trust the wrong people. We could go into this whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all I knew about him until this week. Yeah, this week was, it really did come out of nowhere. Like I was just bopping around running errands, I think. Like when, when did this happen on Monday? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, great. At the time of recording, we're recording on a Friday. Um, It really like came and it hasn't gone away yet. But like, I love the statement that he made so much. It's like, hey, I just want to take a moment to tell you I'm gay. Like, good. Get it. No prelude. Like, get it out of the way up top. Like, don't make it too like cheesy, sappy. Like, I don't know. It was great. And then like he dropped links to like places to donate. Trevor Project. Yeah. yeah, not to not to have main character syndrome and make this about myself, but weirdly, the words that he used in that Instagram coming out video of I live a great life, I have a great support system, everything's going well, also I'm gay kind yeah. of thing, almost verbatim is how I came out to my parents. Mm-hmm. Like I had to give them the context of my life is good, everything is fine, no red flags here. Also, this is part of who I am okay can we move on so I very much respect how he did it I thought it was casual donating hundred thousand dollars to the Trevor project I I I appreciated the video now the Twitter backlash that has come out around it in the 48 hours since it's probably a little ridiculous and I've seen articles on both sides about what this is supposed to mean for gays and sports moving forward. Yeah. I don't think this is going to mean anything for gays and sports moving forward. I'll be honest. Like it, Why it is nice to have visible representation. Okay. I, I have, I have a similar opinion, but why do you think that? I just don't think it's, it's, it's very. So I think it's easy to compare this to the Michael Sam situation. Now, Michael Sam was in a different spot because he was coming right out of college and had yet to be drafted by a team, came out before the combine, is a black gay man, which is a very hard thing to be in this country. And like this being, what, seven years ago at this point? Like, I don't think the media was as equipped to like talk about this. Like, I don't think we as a society had developed quite as nuanced language around it as we do have now. Carl Nassib is a hot white guy who has been in the NFL for five years, I think now. Um, Uh, Yeah, I think since 2018. The stakes are lower. I, and it's easy for like, I mean, it's very easy for not, not in every instance, but like by and large, like white gay is a loosely marginalized community at this point. That's fair. That being said, I feel like the NFL has kind of historically remained a stubborn fixture in perpetuating yesteryear's stereotypes of hypermasculinity. Oh, so yeah. it, being a white gay is, yeah, which is interesting that he is, as of now, a conservative. Right. And that's kind of what everyone, you know, gay Twitter is up in arms about. Ah, he's gay. Okay, but he's a Republican. Yeah, well, like, no shit, he's a Republican. Like, I, I said this in our text thread, but, like, white NFL players are either Trumpers or, like, riffraff. <laughs> like, James Franco from Spring Breakers. Like, you can yeah. be Gronk or you can be, like, Richie Incognito. 
Yeah, exactly. I saw a funny tweet that said, you know, Carl Nassib has been closeted for 28 years, born and raised in Pennsylvania, is white and played football his entire life. You guys are shocked he's Republican? Yeah, like, he's not going to be like, <laughs> it's going to, I'm I'm sure he will mature in a, like a more progressive version of himself. I'm sure he will. Like, I, I think like people like Gus Kenworthy have talked about, I think about how they've had like slightly conservative upbringings and then like matured and progressed out of it like i mean we know people in real life who have done that like i think that's a fairly common trajectory not just for like i've done gay people but yeah a lot of people do that like you know you it's a political progression is a learning process yeah and i think now that he's going to be on a bit of a pedestal and you know he's going to be a bit of a role model whether he likes it or not for this community i think he's going to educate himself he seems like a smart enough guy or i bet you you see his political leanings shift over time i I hope i I hope that this community accepts that from him and doesn't just brand him i i think we i think they will honestly because i think we're we are definitely seeing like a backlash right now to i'll say gen z puritanism where like there's this unrealistic expectation for every celebrity to reflect the values of the fan basically and that's not ever necessarily going to be the case like i thought that the the video statement and the actual like instagram caption that he posted were both i'm sure probably pr'd to helen back yeah they they said all the right things like I don't think you know to use another like very easy comparison like Colton Underwood mm-hmm. did not say the right things to me, right? And also a registered Republican. So, yeah, and what's interesting to me, so to give a little context, I I'm always been more fascinated with like the bigger picture in sports. Like I minored in sports media studies, which was basically just you know sports business, sports media, sports ethics. So that's my only somewhat area of credibility to talk about all of this. But to me, what was fascinating is I felt like after he had what I would consider as close to a perfect PR move as he can make in his coming out process, I think the NFL does a good job. Roger Goodell, the commissioner, comes out with a statement of support, and then the NFL matches his $100,000 contribution. And Everyone's up in arms about it, saying, ah, the NFL is grandstanding. They're jumping onto this. I I think they did the right thing. And I think they, you know, they can never win. Right. I and well, yes, I I think that's where I stand. Like they did do the right thing, but they are also grandstanding. Like, considering how vehemently opposed in many ways they are to like the rights of their black players and like the BLM movement like their best interests like to show out for a white (laughs) some white gay guy is like it is easy yeah like supporting white gay men is like one of the easiest forms of allyship you can do right now I think which is fair except for there are about 1700 active players in the NFL and only one of them is now out so while i agree it's easy why are why is everyone jumping on the nfl for doing the easy thing now like yes you can jump on them for not supporting the other movements 
I, I agree. I think this was... They definitely did the right thing here. I think, you know, NFL locker rooms are very, I'm sure, socially conservative in addition to being politically conservative. Like, they're... Like, I cannot speak to, like, everyone's experience, but I'm sure there are a lot of fairly religious people of all races in the locker rooms. Like, Michael Sam has talked about how he, like, kind of felt ostracized from the black community for his queerness in a lot well, of yeah ways. he also like, played in the south in the sec yeah which is tough very so, tough the interesting thing on that you know with conservative religious locker rooms so the las vegas raiders quarterback Derek carr mm-hmm. has been we're recording this on a friday he came out carl came out what monday or monday. tuesday yeah Derek has said nothing in fact, I think his last tweet, uh, I looked up, up earlier to see if he had said anything. It was, I want a chance to meet uh, and fellowship with some pastors in and around Las Vegas. If you're a pastor in the Vegas area, let me know a few days ago. So like, that's who Derek Carr is. He like your quarterback who is the role model. He's the face of the franchise. Hasn't come out in support of this guy. Yes, they're on different sides of the ball, but yeah. still like a locker room is cohesion and chemistry are so important and he's been noticeably silent yeah. where you know guys like jj watt and saquon barkley uh have come out in support you know julian edelman and yeah. his own quarterback has just been silent i think that's not going to play well and that's going to be a little bit of drama on page six for the sports fans so the sports let's, guys. Get hard, let's get the hard knock season going again <laughs> like, yeah. turn this into two, like the raiders on rules of with John Gruden as the Lisa Vanderpump of, uh, <laughs> of as irritating this. as I find him, I would watch that. Oh, absolutely! Like, I watched I, that sort of a seventh ver- seventh season of All Stars. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I so weirdly, I have only seen Hard Knocks and like bits and pieces. Though I've done the soundtrack for the past few seasons of the show. Okay, I don't really like. Is the format is just like a fly on the wall kind of. Because the clip that we watch of him being, like, financially literate, which, like, yes, queer, <laughs> like, go off finance, <laughs> daddy. Um, it was filmed, like, it was like my iPhone was filming it. Is that how the whole show is? No. So, it's yeah, it's basically during NFL training camps, they pick a different team every year and you kind of go behind the scenes. So you'll see some of the stars, you'll see some of the players who are, like, on the border of getting cut, whatever storylines, HBO can find about whatever team is you know with the Raiders that season it was about ah they're leaving Oakland they're going to Vegas John Gruden such a big personality you know we've got potential rumors about you know quarterback battles so yeah you know it's it's fun if you're a big fan because you kind of get to see behind the scenes of like what's it what's like in the coach's room and it focuses on one specific team. It's not like an NFL because I, yeah, I know they've done their, they did the Browns a few seasons ago, right? Like the Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns. Yeah. That would be fun. My, my king, Baker Mayfield, is a. Why is he your king, Drew? Okay. So, you know, you know me. I like a, I like a goofy, goofy guy. Like, I find Gronk unspeakably attractive and i think part of it is because he is this like for i can't think of another comparison beyond like chet hanks but like he is this like (laughs) chet hanksy like 
party animal, goofy, like he at, at the very least, Gronk does not do anything like especially problematic. Like it's just kind of a, a goofy guy. And Baker Mayfield does the same thing. He can dance. That video of him dancing when he was at Oklahoma in the circle, uh-huh. I have saved my bookmarks on Twitter as a so reaction. Funny. I mean, as a 20-year-long Patriots fan, I'm obviously a big Gronk fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I support that. Derek is interesting because, again, looking at the bigger picture of sports, Derek, uh, not Derek, uh, Baker is good TV. He's yeah. good entertainment. Like he's made Cleveland relevant. Yeah. Whether he's good or not, he's just fascinating. He and he's like decent, decent enough. I mean, considering the history of the Browns quarterback situation, um, I'm lo- every gay person who's listening to this podcast is t- tapping out. At this they, point. They've tuned out. Yeah. But like for you know to go from like Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel and like god knows who else to like someone competent i mean it's like the second coming of joe montana okay let's pump the brakes on that but he's competent. I, I get it i get it he is and he's had another good quarterback since bernie kosar so that's, that's fair he also has had like a three-year-long feud with colin cowherd who i'm also a stand of yes. weirdly oh yeah, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got some. My hot brother takes. is listening to this, and he's like shaking his fist at, at, at the clouds. Why? Because he loves or hates Colin Coward. Hates Colin Coward. Okay, most people do. Yeah. Again, I'm the person who likes most things that people hate. I love dynasties. Like mm-hmm. I root. Like so. Like I love the Patriots. I went to USC. Who everyone hates. We're always the villain. Um, I root. Yeah, I root for you know. Roger Fetter, Serena Williams, you know, Tiger Woods before all of that stuff. Uh, I was a fan of the Warriors when they were winning. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of LeBron. I just, I enjoy seeing records be broken. Like I liked Barry Bonds. I don't know. I have, I have, I have controversial sports opinions. It's probably hard to watch games with me because I'm always rooting for the team or player that everybody else isn't. Underdogs are boring. No, that I, okay. I disagree with that. Like just as a, uh, well, actually, no, I don't. In in a way, I don't. I think it's really circumstantial. Like, I, to take it to hopefully a slightly gayer space, if only because tennis players are really hot, tennis is, like, a sport I love watching. I love playing when I'm able to play. Yeah. Like, for the men's side, it's the same three people constantly winning. And it has been for almost 20 years now. Like, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, in Novak Djokovic that gets so boring and they're all like yeah there there are records being broken but it's just the three of them like in a, a like a rat race to like f- see who finishes with the slams I couldn't disagree more if one of the three of them aren't in it and I don't really like Djokovic if it if Federer and Nadal aren't playing it on the women's side if Serena's not in contention I'm not watching see I like it on the women I the women's side the past like seven or eight years has been a l- way more watchable to me just because it's it's an open field and it's fu- I like seeing new people win like I love seeing Serena in her dominant era and on the flip side I want Serena to win Wimbledon this year which starts on Monday at the time of recording this yep so she gets her record 24th title like I really yeah. want that for her like she is I think the greatest athlete of all time historically dominant 
I and she deserves this. She yeah. absolutely does. She is by far and away the best. So that's like an ex- like I think there's room for both, but like I do think it gets so boring when the same few teams win. Like I love it. Like it's I like seeing. <clears throat> excuse me. I like seeing good athletes do really well. Like LeBron, I like LeBron. The NBA is really fun to watch this year because like the four teams that are left in the playoffs are like non-traditional powerhouses. My Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Phoenix Suns. Like Atlanta, like Trey Young's really fun to watch. Like Giannis and Milwaukee. And then I don't like the Clippers, so I won't talk about the Clippers. But, but do you feel like you've ever been judged or had people give you side eyes for being a gay that's really into sports? Yes. Not to be like, I'm not like those other gays, but like I do, I, I've literally been on record as like a huge like drag race and pop star fan. I just happen to like sports. I don't really know, like I cannot trace the roots of that to anything because I've been very into sports from a very, very, very young age. And I think half of it is like my like latent OCD need to put people in groups and teams like I'm a huge like list maker and group maker so like the idea of like entertainment that is group based like that is crazy to me. but I also like playing sports so well it's easier for our brain this is my psychology major thing coming out it's easier for our brains to classify things yeah so that's why sports there are the teams I like there are groups I don't I totally get that I felt like there was a while, because I've been the same way. I've been a sports fan since I was a young kid. My dream job as a kid was to be a baseball play-by-play guy. Mm-hmm. So I would turn the, you know, I'd come home from school at like 2.30, and I'd watch like WGN, which had the Chicago Cubs games. I'd turn on TBS, which had the Atlanta Braves games. I had my Diamondbacks games. Mm-hmm. And I would just pretend to announce the games for like three hours at a time. Like that was my dream job. I wanted to be an ESPN Sports Center anchor. And then, you know, coming out like my love of sports never dwindled and then I still have people in my life that even look at me now and think oh are you into sports because there's some underlying you know homophobia there like you're not really into sports you're just pretending because it makes you feel more masculine absolutely not this has been a passion of mine my entire life there is a lot of like I'm not going to project this but like there's like there are fun queer ways into sports. And I do think like for as obsessed as our community is with exercise and appearance, Mm -hmm. sports are exercise. Like I find it so much more fun and I get just as much out of playing a soccer game as I do from going to the gym. I I don't like going to the gym. I love playing soccer because I'm also competitive. So like it gets that like yeah i'm the most competitive person you'll know and at the same time our community rallies every single week around rupaul's drag race which is a sport in and of itself it's a huge competition it is it is a very very outwardly queer talent competition that requires an immense amount of physicality and technical skill to it it's not i think like i don't want to make like too crazy of an equivalence just because i don't want to get flamed by like (laughs) the 68 percent of listeners who are i'm sure well the the male listeners like i'm sure like 68 percent of that 68 percent is queer so i don't want to get them furious at me but like 
you get you get a similar buzz and sense of enjoyment from it i think do you think more gay athletes are gonna get gay people at least interested in sports because i i do think like Carl, the friend of the pod, Tyler Danucci, was like tracking the follower counts on Instagram. Yeah, I of saw Carl Nassib throughout the day that day, and like it, I think by the end of the day, it had almost quadrupled. So like, I'm and sure he he had the highest selling jersey sales the next yep. two days afterwards. So, do you I'm, think we're gonna see a lot of Carl Nassib jerseys at circuit parties? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Carl Nassib jersey on the top, nothing on the bottom. Yeah, I'll I do it. I also I like the Raiders jerseys. Like I like wearing black and white. Yeah, so that's black, black, or it's black and silver. silver yeah, black, black and, white. and silver. I love that. So, I guess my hot take on this whole Carl Nassib thing is none of this is really going to make a huge difference until a big NFL star comes out it's got to be someone who's been an established veteran in the league that has star presence someone like aaron Rodgers, Mm -hmm. for instance Mm -hmm. you know a quarterback or a big name wide receiver no pun intended has to come out and then continue to play in the league not be on you know their swan song i've got you know jeopardy not Right. Not like Jason Collins in the NBA, who like on the very tail end of his career kind of came out, didn't play yeah. much afterwards. Like it's got to be a star. Or like Robbie Rogers in the MLS, who was like already basically washing out of the league. Right. But also the MLS doesn't have the same clout that no, the NFL. Like it's got to be a star NFL or NBA player who has been in the league long enough to feel established. And then they're going to continue to be in the league for a few years and be an active player and out. That is what it's going to take, I think, to start changing some real minds. Everything helps. I think Carl Nassib is going to kind of continue what Robbie Rogers, Jason Collins, and Michael Sam have started to build upon. But I don't think we're going to see the big breakthrough because of Carl Nassib. I I think I agree with you on this. Like, it moves the needle, but it doesn't like change the game. Let's close out the. I'm going to close out this segment with a question to you. Okay. Colden Underwood has said that he has a, he needs a gay guide. He's like having a gay guide for this reality TV show. Who should Carl Nassib's gay guy be? Gay guy, gay guide be. Oh God. Um, I mean, I think Gus Kenworthy would probably be okay. Sure. I don't know. Sure, I don't know. Yeah. Who else? Who do you have in mind? Uh, was that uh, Carl? Na- we have gone this far without mentioning that Carl Nassib is six seven. So I do think that he needs like a tall gay. But, but gay Carl- people are not very tall usually. It's really your options are. RuPaul or Zachary Quinto so I guess Zachary Quinto by default but he's like a terrifying monster so yeah I feel like Carl though is so new in his journey Colton needs someone who's a little more you know comfortable in their skin and is done with this process so I'll chew on that and I'll come back on a later episode we'll talk about about it 
Well, I'm about to give you something else to think about because we're about to move on to our final segment, Tear the Community Apart. Ah, my favorite. I have done with my opinions already. Well, this this is a, a simpler game. Okay. I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Okay. Easy. Easy. So, I, the two songs today are two Pride anthems from 2020, the year that wasn't prideful. The year that wasn't proud. Okay. Two classics, not quite equivalent in terms of duet partners for each song, but like the ultimate effect is the same. So, which one of these songs is better? Rain on Me by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, or Levitating by Dua Lipa and the Baby? Oh, God. Dua Lipa was the artist of the pandemic for yes. me. I have listened to her, what do you call it, like essentials playlist on Spotify almost every day as my background music while I'm getting work done, while I cook. She has so many hits. You don't realize how many, like she's got 20 singles that yeah. I have on every playlist. She's phenomenal. I love that song. The baby is such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. And that song instantly brings me back to quite a few special memories right pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. I would say though, as a single in a vacuum, Rain on Me is a better song because of Ariana. I like Lady Gaga. I've never been I wasn't a huge Lady Gaga stop. fan. You gotta stop there. We can't we cannot keep going. <laughs> I, I became a huge Gaga fan after A Star Is Born. And I was like, as a gay, I was way late to the game. All of my friends, like everyone has loved Lady Gaga forever. Mm-hmm. I was very late to the Gaga, to board the Gaga train. After A Star Is Born, I became a huge fan. I like her new album, but I'm a huge Ariana stan. Yeah. And so her in that song, again, I'm a fan of vocalists. So Christina, Beyonce, J-Hud. I, I would say Gaga's a vocalist. Gaga is a vocalist as well. But in that song, she kind of gives Ariana the space. To yeah, no, definitely. I think they're very good duet partners in that like, they're not stepping over each other and it feels like a very like organic chemistry. Yeah. Um, What's funny is uh, I think Jimmy Fallon did one of those like acapella things where he brings on the roots and all these different uh, celebrity singers to do some sort of mashup of a song. I think they did We Are the Champions and he had both Ariana and Christina in that. Everyone should go look it up. But the two of them are doing runs competing at the same time and to hear them kind of trying to overpower each other is really funny but gaga kind of lets ariana do her thing that music video was a little silly i think they filmed that in quarantine they kind of had to keep their distance gaga music videos are always a little silly so like i think that's fine for me like totally fair but ariana's verse and then her runs in that song make that song in a vacuum better than levitating even though i do love dua lipa yes and what she's brought to my life I think this is maybe the only one of these that I think is a a dead tie. Like, 
which if you had asked me this four months ago, I don't think I would have said rain on me in a heartbeat, but for some reason, levitating, I find myself humming and singing that to myself every day. And not the DeBaby version as much. I just put that in there for symmetry, like two and two. Sure. The DeBaby verse is extraneous. I think the original is better, but the DeBaby one is the one they play on the radio. And that song is always on when I get in the car before I plug in my phone to my car play. Yeah. I love it when he says, do a Lipa and a baby. <laughs> I love that. It's charming lines. It's great. It, it's great. It's a it's a really fun. Um, I think like the art of the rap guest first on a pop song has been lost a little in recent years just because it wasn't as trendy as it was like fifteen to ten, 10 to fifteen years ago. Right. It can either but make or break a, nice, a pop song. It yeah, it make, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of like the best ones like ODB on like the fantasy remix with Mariah. Like that's obviously the, like the original, but like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I like, I was listening to I love you poppy by Jennifer Lopez featuring French Montana the other day. And that is dreck or like the song is so good, but the French Montana verse is so awful. Like it just loses the plot. So it's nice to hear, like, even though it's like attacked on rappers to like get, the song some more like streams and like crossover appeal basically it's good it's really charming it's fun like and it's interesting for rain on me because ariana i think came out and said i really want to thank gaga for letting me enter into her pop world because you know she considers herself just r&b i see her kind of splitting between r&b and more poppy so yeah this is a little more in your wheelhouse than uh but Rain On Me, I think, is Ariana's best single in a while because I didn't like Positions that much compared 34, to like, 35. Yeah, just I really like the one-two punch of Sweetener and Thank You Next and Dangerous Woman before Sweetener, I think, is one of the great pop albums of the past decade. So, But I kind of wish that Ariana would do more stuff that's like in the dance pop realm again because she's so good at it. Like with songs like Break Free and Into You be all oh, right yeah. like those are all excellent songs one last time yeah one last time incredible sad to listen song. to these days but very good i know i know i mean even that i know you picked levitating but that whole album from dua just has so many i mean there's physical yeah. break my heart prisoner with miley i i thought you were going to talk about prisoner i know levitating is a prisoner kind of came single. and went though like sure yeah don't start now. I think the best song on that album, my favorite do a song of the moment is Hallucinate. Yeah, that so that is my number one on the album too. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh wait, is maybe maybe levitating might be actually. But that I think that's just because it has wormed its way into my brain just because it is truly everywhere right now. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, even some of her songs from like other stuff, like Be the One, Hotter Than Hell, mm-hmm. o- Electricity, uh, yeah, the Silk City song. I played that at my wedding. Oh my god, that's a good one. If I I um sing that in the car sometimes because it fits into my vocal range. Love that. So if you guys ever renew your vows, I can be Drua Drulipa. I love that. Please do. All right. Well, we gotta wrap things up, unfortunately. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, if you want random takes about sports or 
like national anthems, you can follow me on Twitter. I think I have 10 followers. That might be an under exaggeration. Uh, you can just find me at my name mm-hmm. on Twitter Which will and Instagram. Be written in the bio sure. For this episode. <laughs> um, or just or just call or text. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, so I'll, give, I'll give it I'll, I'll, I'll dox your there. home address um in in the show notes here. Do um it. you can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z. And you can read culturepig.substack.com um and subscribe for weekly cultural takes like on the day of recording i have just written my most um divisive one yet and one that i'm getting hateful dms about so i i agree with you on that talking about the born this way reimagined yes we are talking about that mess (laughs) um yikes the ben platt did you listen to that when that came out? Yeah, I, so I wrote the piece b- before the Ben Platt of it right. all dropped just because I knew I wasn't going to like it. Boy, do I not like it. <laughs> like, it is awful. awful Weirdly, awful. the beginning of that song actually kind of sounds like the theme song to The Politician, which is the show yeah. that he <laughs> stars in. Uh, and I, I'm such a years and years fan. I love Ollie. Mm-hmm. Some of their songs are like burned in my youth. And I just did not like his rendition of Edge of Glory. It, it's cute enough in a vacuum. It's just like the original song is this Bruce Springsteen rock and roll dance pop fantasia that is like it can fill an entire stadium. The years and years thing is going to fill like the the roxy like it's not like it's just it's very like polite synth pop which is like what years and years does but like it's not a good fit like they could have done other songs from that album and like it would have been a good fit i think yeah i don't know anyway we're not going to defy the community any more than we have thank you so much for being here today i love you so much such a good friend and uh you i uh, just appreciate your presence every day so this whole city, me, all of our friends, we're all going to miss you dearly. Your heart is with us. So we'll come visit in Chicago. My heart is on the Santa Monica Pier. My, my heart is left on the Culver Stairs. Like, dropped it for someone to pick up. So um, until next time, I will be, see you guys in Chicago. Bye.